Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Has the moment still passed? Are we, are we okay? I'm ready to get started. Yeah, okay. Well, well, here we go. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Hello, hello, hello. How are you, Tara? Good. How are you doing tonight, Danny? Um, okay. Are, are, you, are you looking at a calendar with all sorts of free nights coming up? Yeah, that I literally, uh, I, I ran over to my parents the other night and they're like, hey, so what are you going to do with all this free time? And I'm like, what are, what are you talking about? I, I have no such thing. That, that doesn't exist. I, I'm, I'm very, very busy the next few days. I want every, I, I want everybody to believe that I have, I'm just incredibly busy and then I just curl up on a ball and just rest for the next five days. <laughs> I am super excited that the Blazers have all these days off because I love it when they get to practice. What do you think they're going to practice on? Actually, let's let's talk about the uh, highlights from the last few games of this week because I think there was quite a bit that we could take away, at least from the games against OKC and the Jazz. And then you also, can tell me what practice. you think they're going to be practicing. We're talking about practice? Yeah, we're talking about practice. Oh, when are we going to retire that as a... Uh, <laughs> as a knee-jerk reaction a, every time someone a, says practice? Because it's just like it's one of the best lines of all time. That in playoffs, not yet. Hold on to the playoffs. We got a couple. Got to get through a couple more months first. Okay, so I'll let you do the practicing one more time. Okay. Practice. We're talking about practice. We are going to talk about practice, but first, let's recap how the Blazers played against the Jazz. Now, at the end of the last podcast. We had been talking about Nurkic and about how well he'd been playing, but he had played against some teams that, let's say, weren't the strongest in the league. And we were looking forward to seeing how he did against Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams. So what did you think? Um, well, I mean, he had the, the precursor game he had against the, uh, the Pelicans. They Pelicant <laughs> um, that game. How the mighty and... have fallen. Yeah, well, I mean, he had 15 and 12 in that game, a handful of assists, and he came out against Utah 22, 8, and 7 with six blocks. Like, he was, and the thing was, he was not good to start that game. And then he had that absolutely dominant third quarter where the Jazz didn't know what to do with him. Every jazz beat reporter, local guy, national guy who was watching that game was sitting there like, Yusuf Nurkic is single-handedly beating the crap out of the Jazz, and everybody was just stunned by it. Like they, they just, they didn't know what to expect from that, or the, or what exactly it was. And it was, uh, it was nice to see Nurk really get after it there uh, against top-notch competition. Uh, his teammates to reward him and go through him. He had what, eighteen points in the quarter, seventeen and four blocks in the third quarter. Yeah. So I mean, he was. I mean. That's getting it done on both ends. Mm-hmm. And two of those blocks were on Gobert dunk attempts where he just met Rudy at the mm-hmm. top. And I was like, okay, 
this is this is kind of this is the measuring stick and this is the guy you're gonna be this is the guy you have to be regularly and I think the more he does this kind of thing and we see how it's a nightly kind of staple I think we this, this sounds weird but I think we get used to it and I think we should and I think that is the next step for Nurk in that he can't have these games like he had against the Hawks where their competition is incredibly subpar and he looks like he's just kind of snooze walking through it. I, you know, what was so great about that Hawks game though, is I had total confidence that he was going to wake up at some point last year at this time. I would not have had that confidence in him. And when the Blazers are struggling, there's almost always a time that you can pinpoint where they woke up and it almost always starts with a Nurkic block and then they tear down the court and they're able to score. And once that happens, once, once he jumps up and gets that block, it's like, you know, engage, like it's funny <laughs> Picard it's says. He jumps up because he didn't jump for what felt like the first quarter and a half. Like he was just, he was flat footed and, and like unwilling to, like jump for a layup or jump for a block or jump for a rebound. I was like, big fella, hey, there's a game going on here. You want to go ahead and jump for us, please? But no, I think, I think you're spot on. I think it, he, he, he kind of motivated himself with the defensive play. Yeah, well, when he gets up off his feet and when he tears down to the other end, that's when you know that he's started. Because he kind of, he jogs around, he kind of, I think he does a lot of, I, so much of the way he plays mirrors the way Damien plays. And Damien, like, I'm not saying either one of them are lazy by any means, but they both at the beginning of the games tend to be pretty laid back and observant about how things are going. And Damien very much is like that. You know, he's observing yeah. who's hot, who needs the ball tonight, who's going to be able to get it against whom, how are the matchups. Damien's kind of sitting back and observing all that, which is why we have so many of those halves where he only has six points in the first half. And Nurkic sometimes do, does that too. In many ways, he's he mimics Dame, and he I think he kind of does that sort of casual start and like, no, Yusuf, honey, you're the one that he's watching to see how engaged you are yeah. from the beginning. You gotta, you gotta start from from day one. But you know, he's he's getting there, and you can always see that like the light bulb goes on. And he's like, okay, here we go, here I go. So I gotta say Good one bet. more thing about that that game. I loved Nurkic's stat line because he had 22 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, six blocks five turnovers and six fouls. So he technically had a six by five. If you count fouls and turnovers. <laughs> yeah, it was, I guess I'd say he was everywhere that that's, I mean, it was, it was quite the performance. I mean, if you take away those turnovers, that's probably his second best game of the season. Productivity wise, just hitting every column. Eight rebounds, seven assists, six blocks? Yeah. Yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah, and I loved, he did have one quote after the game where he said, I'm growing up here in Portland, and I realize that every quarter is new and gives you another chance. And I absolutely loved that attitude. He's just, everything, he's just saying, he's just doing everything right for me these days. <laughs> well, I know he's trying to do everything right, and I respect it, but... I am going to hold like the just never ending side eye at him for the, I was not hunting the triple double 
when the entire locker room after the game is like, yeah, no, no, no. We were talking about it. he was on his eighth, ninth, and we were how we're going to get him those assists. Like, come on, man. We, 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 all, we all knew. I want to see that that interview, the whole thing in context before I hold him to the fire for that one. Because at the beginning of the game, he wasn't hunting for a triple-double. It was just at the end where it became no, clear no, no. that it was close. It was he, he he Brooke asked him if he had any idea and he no 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 no. Uh, that's yeah, the exactly. least of my worries. But like I said, it was like come on, big fella. Yeah. Come on. That's the least of my worries. But I want to I want to know if there's something we needed to worry about with the OKC game because Portland again lost to OKC. Uh Nurkic again had 22 points. He had 15 rebounds, but this time he only had one assist. So how did OKC limit the way Portland ran the ball through him? Uh, Steven Adams backed off of him by about five feet and said, go ahead and shoot. I'm taking away your passing lanes for all the backdoor stuff. Okay. Um, and that, that was kind of how they adapted to that. I think Portland could have done a better job working to get him the ball, excuse me, in better positions. Um, but Nurk was still very good offensively. Um, had a few shots where you could see some tired legs, but other than that, solid killed the offensive backboards. He had seven, um, a little sloppy with the ball, though, again. Back-to-back games he had with five turnovers. Something like If you want to be critical of Nurkic recently, um, he's still hitting a lot of the columns. He's been sloppy with the ball, and his field goal percentage has been down. So I, I wonder if he's getting a little tired or maybe just regressing a little bit in some areas, which, okay, he's still, he's still young. So, I mean, I don't like seeing it, but it is kind of allowed. If, and if he's still going to give us over 20 points <laughs> most nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want to see the effectiveness, though, especially from him, from from a guy like that. You know, a big who is supposed to be getting and giving you the uh, the consistency on short-range shots that really matter, right? Yeah, those dunks. Well, it was interesting to see how Portland reacted to um, having their assists limited because they have been getting uh, more assists than you know, than usual, they, over the course of the season, they're still at only 22.6 assists per game. But over the last 10 games, that's up to 26.6. So I think since they unlocked using Nurkic more and, you know, they've started to pass the ball around more in that way, you know, it's been a while since they had a game where they had, they only had 21 against OKC. So it's been a while since they've been, been that low and they still hung in there. It wasn't like, I mean, that game, it was a bummer that they lost, but it was it was a pretty enjoyable game. Like, the trash talking definitely made it entertaining. Oh, yeah. You, you, got, you got Brody out here telling uh, Dame he's been busting that ass since day one. Then you go back and look at the stats, and it's like, no, you haven't, Brody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've actually got a, a losing record against Damian Lillard, and your stats are not all that great. So, I mean, what is it here? So, I mean... I, it's kind of, kind of a weird situation, but as, but as far as what you were talking about on the assists, you mean you can you can literally like go back and find when the Blazers were started running the ball through Yusuf Nurkic. Like there's just a spike in assists. They have a handful of games where the the, the, the season high was 25, and it was against the Spurs. Then they had some really just crappy, crappy games, and then boom, 29, 26, 29, 28, 30. You're like, oh. What's going on here? And there's a few nights where it dropped down really low again, but it was the Blazers toying with the idea of like the old way versus the new way. 
Like they, they fell into some bad habits again, but then it became more and more and more of a thing. And now I think the, over like the last like 15 games, I think they've fallen below 25 twice. Um, they had a very, very good period of taking care of the ball where I think they had like five or six games out of like seven where they had 10 or less or nine or less, which great. But again, recently, 19, 17, 20. I mean, a little sloppy with the ball. I'm thinking at this point in time, it's probably a good thing um, that the All-Star break is here. It's probably a good thing that the Blazers are playing two games in nine days. Wait, we got a whole month until the All-Star game break. <laughs> but no, no, they no. do have a rest. No, that's what I mean. This is like this, there's a lot of rest coming their way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that's it's probably a good thing because some of the – Issues that I've seen lately seem like it's mostly due to tired legs and just kind of dragging a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and rightly so because their schedule, like as we've talked a million times before, has been quite intense in terms of every other night and back to backs and full travel and all that stuff. So yeah, it's it's unsurprising that they would be tired right now. Do you want to say anything about the other two games, Phoenix? Move along. (laughs) Neither, Neither one of those games matter. Realistically, I, mean, I I think that if you're if you're coach Dots, you probably want to burn the game tape. Even in, even even in wins, they were not good games. The yeah the the Atlanta game, I thought it was important in one respect, and again, it's like I was saying that they were you know kind of messing around and, and then decided okay we can turn this on and finish it. And, like, I was uh, at the game with a friend of mine, and she was like, you know, this is terrible. They're playing so sloppy. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I know. But you know what? They're going to come out, and they know what they need to do. They're just going to put the starters in and finish this. They, you know, and they took it seriously enough to get the win. Yeah, I think it's kind of problematic in that they shouldn't have had the or needed the starters to kind of make that happen, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that wasn't the the strongest night. It's a good night for CJ McCollum, though. Yeah, I mean let's 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 touch on CJ here because um, I've certainly been plenty hard on him recently. Um, just hasn't been good uh, for most of the season as far as efficiency goes. Um, over his last ten games, though, looks very very CJ esque. Forty eight percent from the field, forty five percent three, eighty six percent from the free throw line. Um, obviously that's getting buoyed by a couple big time games, but I mean, that's, that's what he's supposed to be, right? He's supposed to be, if you're not getting scoring for CJ, what's always the question, what is he doing? So you want to get the scoring, you want to get it in the efficiency. He's gotten his three point shot, right? to a crew high with what? Seven made threes, uh, the other night, seven for 12. Um, well, the other night with Damian sitting, he did show that he, you know, could get assists and he could get rebounds. I mean, and he. I don't know how many rebounds he's averaging, but you know, he's one thing that I have noticed this season is even when he's not shooting well, he comes up with some key rebounds. So he's key, but not necessarily, but not necessarily total. volume, but sometimes yeah. he'll be like, Oh, CJ didn't do much, but he got that one rebound. that <laughs> really made a difference or he really fought for that, for that one rebound, but he showed that he could get assists too. And the thing is though, that's something you want to say about a guy who's like sixth or like eighth on your roster. You don't want to say that about the guy who's supposed to be number two, right? In terms like, of rebounding? or No, just like, like, well, he didn't do much, but he did give you that one. Yeah, like, okay. They, you get that yeah. from your role player. You know? I hear you. Like, that's, that's, you don't want that out of your number two guy. And I think that's what a lot of people were kind of 
worried about this season. Like, hey, uh, beyond the, you know, the, the, the lack of scoring, what else are we getting here? And he has been good. And I, I kind of balance it like this kind of tightrope when I talk about CJ because everybody thinks I hate CJ. And you know this, and I know this, that I, it's not true. I just don't think that him and Dame fit together. I think that CJ would would run his own team incredibly well, and I think the Hawks game was like the perfect personification of that. Because when you look at CJ there, you can see that he's a, he can he can play make he can pass the ball. I mean he can he's effective as can be, and I just it's 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 really weird um, to see it. Uh, it. It's I don't know. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, and it's probably hard for him to experience it because he's all along known that he has more skills, you know, and he's always said that he's satisfied playing alongside Damian Damian Lillard, but he's also, you know, said that, like, I have a lot more skills. I've, you know, been a point guard, and, you know, he's not playing point guard. (laughs) So, you know, it it as weird as it is for us to watch, it's probably weirder still for him to be living that reality, but he does it, you know, as best he can, and he does well. I mean, he's he's been the guy for years for this team, and until he got in this extended slump this year, he's always, you know, been very valuable to this team. How do you think he played alongside Seth? Seth has uh, been playing well lately too. I mean, Seth kind of just played for what Seth is, I think, and that's a, a pick and roll score, which is typically what we see the role CJ in. I think the bigger change was more based on what CJ was doing, um, and that's why I, I've I've kind of come to CJ's defense over the past or this past year. Like, if you want to criticize his, his shooting ability, that, that's fine. I, I think it's a fair. Fair deal. But criticizing how he's playing within the offense, like after his, his role has been completely changed, I thought that was a little bit unfair because I, I don't know why this, this like falls out of people's heads, but Damian Lillard has been, if not the best, the top three best pick and roll point guards since he came in the, into the NBA. Like it, it's chartable, it's trackable, the, the numbers are there. CJ has been right behind him. And so, like, people are like, he's just an ISO gunner. I'm like, no, he, he's not. He's a phenomenal pick and roll player. He he has been since he came into the league. Like do, do, this is how they they ran the second unit. Does everybody forget that? And you saw it last night. Okay, the last assist or two were a little out there, but he was playmaking. He was creating. Like, did you ever take, see CJ like really force a lot of shots last night that you wouldn't see Dame do? In like clutch moments where you're like, "Hey, that's a shot." Like I didn't like it, but as as the, the guy, sometimes you have to take those. Yeah, CJ is yeah. really fun to watch when he's got it going on. Yeah, I mean, so is Damian, but Damian's fun in a different it's way. A different C- way. CJ's got yeah. the you know the all those moves that are just they're just fun, and that's the thing about the Hawks game is, you know, it's it's kind of hard to get excited about. His triple double. I want to be excited for him because you know it's it's like a milestone, and it it. But you know, of course, it was it against a lottery team in the East, and you know, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. But I have to say, being in the arena, it was fun to be cheering for it and to be you know a part of that. Like, will he get it? Will he get it? Will he get it? 
you know, I wish it was in a important game and I wish that he hadn't forced it, sh- sh- uh, uh, sent it to Aminu and made Aminu shoot. Cause otherwise Aminu <laughs> would have had a perfect game, <laughs> but I'll forgive him for that. Um, but it was fun being in the arena. And sometimes when, you know, when there's 82 games in the season, sometimes you got to look for the little things to make the game <laughs> enjoyable. And that night it was cheering for CJ to get his triple double. Yeah, in a game against the Hawks, you're just like, please, God, no. Well, Vince Carter was there, and I guess it was his birthday, too. I didn't know that until after I came home. his 42nd birthday, Tara. It was his 42nd birthday. (laughs) That is... I love Vince. Unimaginable. So much. Also, I love how even the most dynamic and explosive athletes in modern sports history... No matter if you're that guy or if you're me, the older you get, the more crap you have to wear to just keep (laughs) everything together. He's got both knee sleeves on. He's got the shoulder sleeve on. He's got the dual compression chest with the padding in it. He's got the padding under the shorts. And I'm just like, good God. God, the headband because there's just nothing going anymore. You can just see Vince is just—he's—he's he's, he's like this era's answer for the cyborg. Like, if, if there were like actual implants available, I guarantee he would go for it. But it was like, Vince, I see you, man. Like, it's the young guys—they're out there, you know, jumping up and down, going through everything pregame. Vince is at midcourt, you know, sitting down on his butt with his legs spread, just trying to—he's still putting on all something. his gear. Yeah. <laughs> You know, doing his, you know, yoga stretches and putting on his, his gear. ankle braces. <laughs> Locking it up. It's funny, I mean, because, I mean, the, the, if, you're, if you're old like me and you have the same kind of issues, like, when you're a kid, you remember just going and hooping, and then I don't need to stretch. Bah, you know, now I'm, I get to the gym, I sit down, put everything on, and stretch for 25 minutes before I get in there. And I, I was looking at Vince just like, you're my hero, Vince. You're still doing it. I love it. Yeah, that was that was fun. Well, there's a b- big question that I've heard on a lot of Blazer fans' mind these days, and that is touched on a little bit. Harkless versus Layman. Who should start? Oh uh, yeah. So uh, just so happens I wrote about this, um, and then Tomo Harkless had his best game of his career or his season, excuse me, um, here in Portland. It was like, oh, perfect timing, Mel. Appreciate you. So what uh, were your arguments? So the let, let, let's just hit the nuts and bolts of it. I don't entirely dislike Mo. Entirely. I say entirely. You mean as a starter? As, as a player in general. Because I know a lot of people think that I don't like Mo. My frustration, my irritation rises from the fact that Mo could literally be everything this team needs – and we saw a good chunk of it against the Hawks. Like, oh, my God, look at this guy in transition. Look at this guy uh, being a, a defensive pest. I mean, like, there were so many things. You're like, if this guy was here nightly, phenomenal. But the consistency, that's that's the problem we run into with him. And what I was seeing and what I was getting from Jake Lehman was, you know what was there no matter what every night? Consistency and effort. It was just like, there's no moping, there's no pouting, there's no stories about how he feels like he's being taken out of the offense. None of that stuff. And it, 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 like it's consistency and effort, but he doesn't score a lot every night. He's he's fairly up and down in terms of scoring. Who, Jake or Jake? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, but we're also talking about what we've seen from Jake and, and with him getting a bigger role within the offense, what's happened. Mm-hmm. That he's stepped into it and taken advantage of those minutes that he's getting. Yes. And one of the things that I, that I, I said in my article was uh, simply that if you can track Jake Lehman's profile of how he plays. And I'm not saying he's these guys, but when I watch him, this is what I think. I, I, I think he looks like Reggie Miller. He looks like Ray Allen. He looks like J.J. Redick. He looks like Kyle Korver. Guys who work off screens and run endlessly. Like There's a certain profile of those guys when you just watch them play, regardless of how those guys are as shooters. And Jake is not on that level. But there are usually only maybe 10 guys in the league who run with that kind of efficiency and also are able to hit shots um, from multiple levels. So the difference between, you know, Jake and those guys obviously is that, especially between Corver and Reddick is that when was the last time either one of those guys dunked Tara? <laughs> like it's, I, I think it's probably been a while. It, it's been a while. Like Corver had a dunk the other day in a game and, it, and you know, he was getting a bunch of stick for it. It was like, well, yeah, I get it. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a while. Um, Jake is obviously a much better athlete in that regard and not quite the shooter. But so I, I set out to track this, this whole idea of like, what profile does he look like? And the, the more I looked at it was Harkless looked like um, more offensive minded players when he's the defensive guy, right? As far as like his movement profile, guys who are spot up shooters and not really moving off the ball a ton. Okay. Um, so what you're saying is that Mo is more likely to run to his spot and wait while Jake is more likely to run into space to receive something. Yeah, no, it's uh that that's that's pretty much it, yes. So the uh the idea here is that what's what is more needed with this team? And I, I think Really, almost every team is going to say this. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's – I said in the article, I said, it, it, like, Jake is, like, the key to, like, the warriorsing of the Blazers' offense. And I, I know it sounds awful, <laughs> one, to, the, to kind of, you know, make the, the, the Yeah, I'd just the hate to know if our good. team was as successful as the Warriors. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So um, I was being sarcastic. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> really, I, it's like it's like my actual language. So, um, so yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit weird. Um, but with Jake, it's like the the way they feed off of it, the energy and everything else that kind of comes with it. That feels much more consistent, and his scoring output and ability has been more uh, consistent in his time uh, this year. When Jake gets opportunity, he scores. I mean, that's just that's just been the case. And in today's NBA, you and I have talked about this offline plenty. Um, in today's NBA, if you're, a, if, if you're asking me, I, I have to get a okay offensive player with a semi-plus defensive player or a, a potentially good offensive player and a um, passable defensive player, I, I'm taking the better offensive guy every single time. In, in today's NBA, that's just, that's just the reality I think you, that, that it's come to. Well, it's not an easy... It's not obvious, you know, like to who, which, which one it should be. I mean, I think that's why this is a good debate is because I don't think it's obvious. Uh, you know, I tried to look at it from 
you know, to find out if there was like, there were any numbers that stood out. I, um, I really like how you explained just like the style of play that the Blazers are going for and how Jake's movement is, you know, more in line with that. Because when you look at the numbers, they are very similar in terms of the way that they fit in with the lineups. Well, yeah, heck, heading into last night, the Blazers were 15 and 10 with, with Jake as a starter and 13 and 10 with Mo as a starter. Right. And now they're 14 and 10. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's, they're so close. I mean, they are, when you look at the lineups, when you compare the, like the lineup data with them, they, you know, so Harkless is on the court for a longer period with, with his lineup. So I changed it over to like per 100 possessions and they're scoring the lineup with Jake per 100 possessions and the lineup with Harkless per 100 possessions is <laughs> with uh, Jake, it's 114.1 and with Harkless, it's 114.4. So virtually identical. Yeah. And the, and the defense is, is pretty close too. Yeah. Uh, their rebounding is almost exactly the same with Lehman. They, they make more threes and they get more assists, but they also have more turnovers and get fewer free throws. But with Harkless, they make less threes, but they take more free throws and they get more blocks and steals and fouls. So it's it's so much like which one you do can, you want? You can see it. Yeah, that's what I mean. You can you can see what each is kind of giving. You're you're getting more open threes and you're getting more assists, and the reason why is the ball's moving around better. There's better floor spacing. But you get more free. I was so excited to see Jake at the line the other night, like on, against the Hawks. I was like, "Oh, Jake. honestly, I'm, su- I'm surprised he doesn't get to the free throw line more often." Well, as, don't as you as think it's just because playing? that he hasn't been, he, he hasn't got that much playing time yet, and so he doesn't know how to draw the fouls as well, and uh, and refs just aren't calling him again. You know, people against I him. The, I think that's the bigger part of it. Is they're looking at him like, "Who, who are you?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're like, "Yeah, they didn't foul you. Just calm down." And also because Jake just keeps going. This is also very true. Like he's not the a complainer. He's not a you know he doesn't over dramatize any of his when he gets hit or mugged on his way. You know he just goes. He needs to learn that skill. The other part of this is like this. This, this was like the longest. Like here, let me get to this quickly. Short part um, <laughs> is that this is all about who should start. And uh, with the everything we've kind of gone through and uh, how I kind of. Uh, said the things laid out is that I think Mo should probably start, but I, I think he should get kind of the Vonley treatment in that he get here's your first minute or here's your first batch of six minutes in the first quarter. And I think here's your second batch of six minutes in the second quarter. If you're not given something, you don't get more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you're, if you're doing well, we'll leave you in a little bit longer. And exactly. if you're not, that's what you're regular. Uh-huh. Yep. And then with Harkless, I want to see Harkless get or with uh, Harkless with Blayman. I want to see him get 20 minutes. I think that the, that bodes better for the team in the long haul. Yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of, I'm just excited that there's two, and while neither of them are perfect, they both have something that they bring, which I think is. It, it, we, I feel like we haven't always been there. And the ridiculous part of this is that neither one of them are really going to change things significantly. Now, I think Lehman has a wider range of, of ability to affect the game on the offensive side. I think, like I said, as long I think as they're I, playing Phoenix. Well, I mean, <laughs> yo, God, yeah, he's going to drop twenty-four a night against them. It's it's insane. 
Um, but I, I just I know I keep coming back to this, but in today's NBA, the guy who could potentially just how many guys on this team do you think could do what Jake has done twice already this season, which is just go for a twenty spot in a quarter? Well, on this team, yeah, I mean Lillard can. Yeah. I think Nurkic can. You no, know, that's true. Nurk, Nurk does have that weird potential for a big man without. Yeah, his and CJ can. So this is I, the this is the I fourth thinking, guy who can, which is fine. I was just thinking more along the lines of Damian CJ, and then really league wide, there aren't a ton of guys who have the propensity or ability or have shown the ability to get you a 20 piece in a quarter. Like that's, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, and, cl- and Dame has said this multiple times that in practice, he's a guy that is just nuts. So it, it should be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out this season. Well, moving on, because I, I don't, I don't know wh- where I I fall on that one. No, you have to pick one. You can't. <laughs> no, you I can't don't team, have to pick one. You can't. I'm not. A, I'm not the coach. I don't have to pick one. You, you can't team mom this away. Come on now. So there's been some more rumors about trades to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to distract you with your favorite topic: rumors and trades. Yeah, oh, goody. Uh, it's a, it's a small one, but I think it's very interesting. Yeah, uh, it turns out that small. the Grizzlies, who have been made it known that they're looking for offers for Gasol or Conley, are actually getting interest from teams for Jamichael Green and Garrett Temple. And Portland was mentioned as one of these teams in the sporting news. So, yeah, I mean, if what they're do you asking think? for anybody, they're they're asking about uh, about Temple. You don't think they're asking about Green? They don't know that Neil Olshay hasn't heard my plea that the Blazers need a guy named Green. I mean, that, that that's kind of what I was hoping for here is that we could continue that that pattern. <laughs> uh, but no, it, I, I, it could have been your Michael. Sure, it would. Not make a ton of sense. Um, well, so tell me why Garrett Temple makes more sense than Jamichael Green. Uh, if they're looking at somebody for a long-term possibility, I mean, that's that realistically, that's what I'm looking at. If, is, do they want to give a guy like um, Seth Curry more time? Do they want to, if they like, are they looking at moving one of the other guards? Um, it's it's just a weird place that Portland always finds himself in uh, that they don't have enough uh, guards. <laughs> I just I, I've I, it's it's mostly tongue in cheek, but it's just like uh, at some point in time, you know, it's one of those strange situations. Or they're, maybe they're just making reaching out to Garrett Temple right now to see if he'd be willing to sign as a free agent next year after they lose Seth Curry. Oh, just kind of uh, <laughs> reaching across and handshaking and saying, "Hey, let's let's get to know you." Yeah, I mean that that that's there's no real truth to that, but I, it, like I said, it's mostly tongue in cheek because I'm just I see these these kind of deals and I'm like, this is not cool. <laughs> give me give me something cool, please. I, I want I want I want cool guy deals only here. And does a cool guy deal <laughs> involve anybody from the Grizzlies? Conley? No. I mean, sure, if we didn't have Damian Lillard. Yeah. Um, because they certainly don't want to pay what thirty million dollars a year for him to sit behind Damian. That wouldn't make any sense. Um, For pure basketball reasons, seeing Conley go to a team like um, I even hate admitting this, like to the Lakers. I've talked to a couple guys in LA like that'd be like the the perfect fit for him. He's like he seems like the the perfect point guard to play behind or play alongside LeBron. So. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Memphis. Um, The way they fell off the cliff was. 
kind of crazy. I'm kind of sad. Yeah, it's going to be cool to see uh, what they do with uh, Jerry Jackson Jr., though. Like oh, they, they're not really, doing anything with it. They no, want. No, no, they're no, hanging on to him for dear life. Oh yeah, no, I'm talking about like what, what what they do with him, like kind of going forward, who they put around. So why are you just absolutely sure it's not Jamichael Green? Uh, I'm not. I'm not absolutely sure. Like I said, it's mostly tongue in cheek. It's just one of those things where if they're looking at Jamichael, it's probably as part of a, another trade package. Um, that's where they're looking to move somebody like Aminu, somebody like Harkless. Um, I think those are the things you kind of look at, right? So, and it sounds like what the Grizzlies really need are picks. Yeah, I mean they're a young team, and they're completely they don't and they looking. don't have their own. Yeah, so they're 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 definitely looking to um, just build up the, uh, the 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 stock portfolio. I believe that Green and Aminu are pretty similar in their contracts, but. I mean, that doesn't help the Blazers. So that doesn't help the Blazers get under their contract if they're just taking on one that is the same and giving giving up a draft pick to do it. So would they be attaching some other? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, this, this, if they made any, either of these moves, I felt like it would always be a part of uh, some poor, a bigger move. Yeah, these aren't the, 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 the fun trades, right? Like, this is just kind of like, Oh, fine. I guess we'll talk about it. Well, I mean, it's 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 weird because you know every time you know Portland is attached to anybody in you know uh, you know in trade talks, there's a big flurry of discussion about it, and so many of them are just like they end up sounding like doing something just for the sake of doing something. Yeah, this would this definitely falls under the. Uh... Doing something for just for the sake of doing something. Well, and it feels like there's a lot of people who think are ready for that. <laughs> what? Are, where are you on that? You're not feeling like they should do something just for the sake of doing something. Is that correct? I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm close. But you could be. Yeah, I mean, this is... If like they weren't abs- playing as well as they were, if they weren't... Because we talked about this at the beginning of the season. We were joking, like, well, if they're in the you know third or fourth, then they won't make a move. And here they are. Today, you know, you never know what's going to happen in the next few days because it's so fluid. But here they are in fourth. Yeah, I still, yeah, like I said, I, I've got the bet with Casey, so I'm standing by it. I still think they make a move um, around the the luxury tax line just to just to kind of make sure. Well, we shall see. It's only two weeks away. The, the the deadline's only two weeks away. Yeah, February seventh. So should be uh, should be interesting to see what happens. It's right around the corner. Well, so. We mentioned that the Blazers only have the one game coming up this week on the 30th. That's against the Jazz. Who are who? What other games are you going to be watching when there's no Blazer games to watch? Uh, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to probably spend some more time watching a lot of the rookies. Okay. That's realistically that's what I'm looking at. I want to watch the uh, the young kids. See what happens. And why do you want to watch the rookies just to figure out who you think is going to really blossom and be a big deal in the league? Or are you watching them in terms of, like, how are the Blazers going to deal with these untested? Mostly for my own selfish reasons. <laughs> just because I don't get a lot. I haven't had a ton of time to uh, just really to watch the young kids. Um, don't get me wrong. I love doing the show, but sometimes I don't get to, like, sit back and really look at opponents um, the way I'd like to. Um, so this is going to give me that opportunity, which I'm sure th- these are all things that my girlfriend probably wants to hear me say. I'm going to spend my time off watching more basketball. Yeah. 
Good thing she doesn't <laughs> listen to the podcast. She's 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 a very very brilliant woman. Well, uh, there's several teams that the Blazers have pretty much finished playing for the year. Like this will be it for Utah, um, which is crazy. What? Which is crazy. I know, I know, but that also means that there's teams that the Blazers haven't seen much of yeah, coming up have, in the second half. We've got Brooklyn. I think there's only like three teams they haven't played, so it's 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 like, and it's like a weird mix too. When they're going yeah, my, on that 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 big long road trip, stupid long road trip. That is one of the most obscene things I've seen. I think I've seen for the Blazers in quite some time. Every time I look at the schedule, I'm like, ugh, they like even. Even if the teams are not good on that trip, it's so long and covers so much time and distance that it's like, ah. Well, some teams oh. have been doing some. I mean, the the isn't it the Spurs who've been doing it for years during the rodeo? Yeah, they they prepare for that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully the Blazers are taking a, a page from their book and some of the things that they've learned after having done it for years. Because that, that Texas, what is it, the rodeo or whatever, that comes to town and they go on yeah. like a two-week road trip. Yeah. So maybe there's something, maybe they well, learned the something on how to do that. Is, the, the Blazers are on the road from February 21st till March 5th. I'm going to be at that March 5th game. <laughs> They're going to be so tired, but I'm going to be yeah. there cheering for them. But the reality is there's probably going to be one less of either Mark Gasol or Mike Conley. So uh-huh. you could get to, to watch uh, a 2020 20, 20, uh, draft pick. Wait, no, you, you can't watch those because they haven't been drafted yet. Get it? It's a joke yeah. about they're yeah. getting a draft you're, pick you're for funny. a Famer. And with that, ah. I think it's about time to wrap it up. All right, fine. <laughs> we got Blazers Edge Night coming up. Oh, update on my pledge to... Uh, the oops I've been never... <laughs> I think they listened to the podcast and then they were like, you know what? That is a great cause. I We want to send more kids to Blazers Edge Night. And since Tara has pledged to purchase a ticket for every alley-oop... We're going to go ahead and just get 12 so far in the month of January. Yeah, that, that's also the, uh, what do you call it, the Jake Lehman effect. Uh, yeah, and Myers Leonard, really. Yeah. Can we talk, before we finish, can we talk about the fact that Myers tried to kill Vince Carter? Like, <laughs> that dunk, oh, that was on, such man. a bummer. That would have been such a great dunk if that had gone in. My, or, or Vince was not about to get postered like that. Vince is like, I am too old for this. Let me just kind of grab your arm a little bit, young fella. Myers, I, I think Myers just kind of caught off guard by Vince like actually trying to do something. Right. Because the look on his face was, was like more shock than anything else. Like, how, how did, what, what why would you do that? <laughs> that? That would have been an amazing, amazing dunk. Yeah, no, and you could actually hear uh, Vince had some uh, choice but funny words uh, for uh, Myers when Myers was at the free throw line. It was uh, it was good times. <laughs> well, Vince has earned, I think, that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for sticking around for all of those years. So anyway, I am up to uh, let's see, tw- uh, twelve plus four, sixteen. Up to a lot. <laughs> I'm up to 16 Blazers Edge tickets so far this season, and they, they've got one one game to go. I was trying to decide. I decided to go with makes, but then I had to face, okay, do I go with alley-oop dunks or alley-oop layups? Because they also have this category on mm-hmm. stats.mba.com called M- NBA alley-oop layups. And 
I've decided to go with Dunks, and I'm really glad I did, not just because of the fact that would be, like, an additional seven tickets I had to buy, but because alley-oop layups are, like, the sorriest thing. Because <laughs> they're, like, alley-oops that the didn't level, quite work, usually. The level of incredulity there was just great. <laughs> <They're>, what? <laughs> the level of, of, of incredulity there was just great. Like, it's the saddest thing. They they are. They're just like, oh, we missed. So here we go. So anyway, Blazer's Edge Night is coming up. And all of the listeners and readers of Blazer's Edge, if they haven't already, or even if they have and want to give a little bit more, uh, their contributions are most welcome and appreciated to help send kids to the game uh, against Brooklyn when Ed Davis, Alan Crabb, and... Was that Shabazz? Yeah. I'll come back to town. It'll be a fun time. It'll be like old home week, and hopefully the bowl will be full of kids uh, there for Blazer's Edge Night. So go to blazersedge.com to find out more about how to donate. It's real easy. All you do is, like, go to this website, put in a code, and say how many tickets you want to buy, and they just take it from there. You don't have to worry about anything after that. And there's also a number of somebody, if you want to call, some people like to donate their own tickets, and you can do that as well. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um I don't have anything nearly as cool as Blazers and I coming up. We did mention that we do have some upcoming games here in the next couple weeks that are on um, ridiculously early. Um, so Blazers Outsiders will be having a nice little breakfast and pajama. Yeah, are you going to do an episode in your jammies on oh, February yeah, no. 10th? Yeah, no, the, that, that's definitely happening. Like We're like mimosas and, and brunch and with, with fuzzy slippers. That we're also having a Blazers What Meetup that day. That's the February tenth. Oh, is is that what it is? Okay. Yep. yep. Well, so maybe we'll have a pajama party too. There you go. See, well, is, see, we need to we need to like coordinate one of these together. That's what needs to happen. Yeah, that would be fun. We could have uh, a nice Blazers brunch. Yeah, I, uh, nobody believes me that I actually have giant Blazers fuzzy slippers, but you know, I have giant Blazer fuzzy slippers. Dan, we can be coordinated. It would be great. Nobody would be able to pick us apart, I swear. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here because this is going off the rails very quickly and into very, very weird places. Uh, for Terrapone Picks, I'm Danny Morang. Uh, you can catch me on Blizzard's Outsiders pre- and post-game show uh, on NBC Sports Northwest. Uh Social media at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G. Tara, let everybody know where they can find you. I am at T-C-B-B-I-G-G-S on Twitter. And you can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. And we'll have an episode coming up here pretty soon. All right. That's it for us. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye.